0: Today's guest is my friend, Karen Laurie. Karen is the founder of Yummy Meditations. She teaches meditation. She coaches. She was an actress, a model, all around inspiring human. And she's the author of the soon to come out book, Chronic Pleasure. She's actually making it available, the electronic copy, at least available to listeners of this podcast for free. You just need to email her at the email address, which should be in the show notes. You can just click on it. Copy and paste, email her, put in the title Chronic Pleasure, and she'll send it to you. It's called Chronic Pleasure, and um, she sent me an advanced copy, and I'm about halfway through it. And I just want to say, Karen's been someone I've known for a few years, and she's one of those people when you're around her, you just feel good. She's got that vibe, however you want to put it. I knew that a lot of her work touched on things like law of attraction and verbiage that I I don't personally use. And if you follow my stuff, you know, I do certainly believe and harp on and really ground in the fact that our internal reality does affect our external reality. However, a lot of the law of attraction language isn't really my thing. I think it can get a little vague sometimes. So when I was reading her book, I love her as a person. I did go through the book initially thinking like, okay, this is probably gonna be full of stuff that I haven't, uh, that I've heard before. You know, this would be nice. It's not gonna be the language that I personally use. But I found myself re- Realizing things about how you react to things emotionally, how you process your reality, if you will. And and of course, positive thinking is part of that. But I found her perspective to be very eye opening and practical. And I've been finding myself using it. I'm not even fully through the book, but I have been changing the way I perceive certain situations in my life. And I've been sending it to a lot of my friends, clients, particularly people who are like me who err on the side of rational practicality. Not to say that anything in this book is that crazy or impractical, but it's the approach that for someone like me, who is prone to living in his head, I found it very useful. Anyway, it was great speaking with her. I've known her for a few years, but I didn't really know her backstory that. So it's fun uh, hearing about her stories from the Playboy Mansion, her overcoming certain illnesses, relationship stuff. It was was fun speaking with her. And her perspectives were very enlightening because she's much more than just a positive thinker who sees the world through rose-colored glasses. In fact, she has a very practical, actionable, and reasonable way of looking at the world in a way that feels good, and I felt really good after speaking with her. And I feel really good now, a few hours later. So enjoy this episode. And if you want to get her book right now, it's available for free. I think the actual print book is being published later this year. We can get the electronic copy for free if you email Karen with the subject chronic pleasure. That's all in the show notes. Uh, right now you're listening to episode zero 08. I think we're on six eight. Karen Laurie, chronic pleasure. You're listening to the Rwando podcast, part of the Gotham Podcast Studio Network in New York, New York. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, here with Karen Laurie in your wonderful home. I think it's been three years since I since we last met. Maybe yeah, it so. feels like
1: a really long time. Yeah, that, yeah, it feels great to see you. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, likewise. Um, and I've you know I'm maybe a quarter through your book, and I love it so far. Mm. I've actually been sharing bits of it with other people. I hope they email you soon about it. Um, so, I in, in, what was it like writing the book?
1: Uh, well, I wrote this book, it's called Chronic Pleasure, just Mm -hmm. in case people are listening Mm -hmm. and don't know. Um, so it's called Chronic Pleasure and it's about using the law of attraction to transmit fatigue and pain into vibrant Mm -hmm. energy and chronic pleasure. And writing the book felt so fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel, um, really Compassionate for people who are in a state of, you know, feeling like they're, they have so much pain that sometimes they can't even get out of bed or that they're just consumed with pain or that they feel so fatigued that they can't make plans or that they just feel like they, they don't have that spark that they used to have. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt. And so writing the book and writing it sort of for that, that person who mm-hmm. feels like that. It felt like such an act of love. I love. felt like I was in a, such a state of love and such a state of pleasure as I wrote it. And it felt literally like I was taking dictation from the universe, if you will, because mm-hmm. I, it was so fascinating. I yeah. didn't even know what I was going to write and then it would just flow through me.
0: Yeah. I felt that in what I've read is like very calming to read. It's like things like maybe you've thought of, I've thought of before, but to read in that way. And I know you mentioned Abraham Hicks a lot. Was it that kind of like channeling? Do you feel like?
1: I don't call it channeling, but I feel like I'm speaking the words that the source within me speaks. Uh (laughs) (laughs) At least when I was writing the book or typing the words that the,
2: it's
0: interesting because I've shared, I've, I, when you sent it to me, I, I was sharing ideas from it and telling certain loved ones about it. And so a few people were like, wait, chronic pleasure, she's saying pleasure is a disease or, or we're supposed to be in this chronic pleasure state. It's like a, it's interesting with the reactions from the title.
1: Yeah. Well, because I, one of the things I was diagnosed with, I hadn't, I had Narcolepsy depleted adrenals. uh My thyroid was off, and I was diagnosed with chronic pain because my mm-hmm. whole body was aching all the time and chronic fatigue. Before they understood I had narcolepsy, and so I kept hearing this: "Oh, you've got chronic pain. You've got chronic fatigue." But there was never any answer for mm-hmm. it. And chronic, the actual the actual word, it's Chronos is time. You know, mm-hmm. over it's consistent over time, and um and so I when I like I've been in this state of chronic pleasure for like three and a half, four years of just Mm. timeless pleasure. Yeah. Where, (laughs) where it's, where it's in this or pleasure all the time, Mm -hmm. where it's in this state of just, you know, I'm just feeling amazing pleasure all Mm -hmm. the time. And so that's what made me want to call it chronic pleasure, because also I want to take the onus off of that word chronic and make it into something that, you know, you can have chronic happiness, you can have chronic joy, you can have Mm. chronic peacefulness or
2: yeah, it was
0: really interesting reading the story because I, I guess I met you after this period. So I I've always known you as this happy, healthy, aligned person. So it's really interesting seeing that transition. Could you share a little more about like where you were and like this epiphany?
1: Yeah, I um I was in a place where I was being divorced by this man that I loved so much, mm-hmm. my husband, and I was suicidally depressed. I didn't feel like there was anything I could do. I'm an actress and I had literally fallen asleep while I was in an audition on Mm. camera. And so it was it was devastating and I felt so ashamed and I couldn't get out of bed. I I was barely able to eat because I just couldn't even think how to cook. And people were coming over and helping me, but a lot of my friends had left and I couldn't do much. And then One day I was supposed to meet my husband for a a dinner Mm -hmm. and we hadn't really been divorced yet and I was really hoping that we would have a a reconciliation and he never showed up and he has a memory issue and Mm. uh, he had forgotten and I was so devastated I didn't even think to text him and I was crying and I felt this energy pulling me and it Mm. was pulling me to a book on my bookshelf that I didn't know I had. Mm. And it was a book called The Law of Attraction by Abraham Hicks. And I opened the book and I read just a couple pages and I, I totally saw my life in a totally different way. And I just realized, oh my God, I've been focused on the lack of everything I wanted. Mm-hmm. And it shifted me so completely. And it's like I had a, a you know, when you have, when you look in a mirror and you have another mirror, and you can see forever Mm -hmm. in the mirrors. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like, but it was my life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, my God, and I could see forever. And I could see how to shift it. And then I started doing things because I have a background in um, psychobiology, Mm -hmm. how the mind affects the body. And I have a background in um, meditating. I've been meditating Mm -hmm. for Twenty-eight years.
0: Yeah, you are studying medicine at one point? I was pre-med. Yeah, I
1: was pre-med. And that's what I was studying was how the mind affects the body. Mm -hmm. That was the emphasis I was Mm -hmm. studying. And it was just a very new field when I was doing it, but Mm -hmm. now it's a huge field. And then I've studied with Dr. Bruce Lipton about um, epigenetics. And Mm -hmm. I've studied with Deepak about mind-body medicine further. And I also studied different um, uh, neuroscience things. And so I have this, and plus I was an actress. Mm -hmm. And acting is such a great Petri dish for, you know, you're in a, you become a different character and you see how your physiology shifts when you have a different set of beliefs and relationships Mm -hmm. and history. And so all of that started to shift me quickly once I had a couple of key pieces and it just, my, my body start I started doing different practices and my body started to I would notice when I did the practice that I would feel more energy or I would notice that my pain would ebb away and so I started to pay attention and I kept doing more and more of these practices and feeling better and better and things just started to shift like I started to get momentum and Mm -hmm. I started to feel better and better and better Mm -hmm. and it just snowballed and um yeah. And now I just am consistently happy, consistently in a state of pleasure. I don't even get pain anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing that was interesting in your book for me, I mean, I, I was reading it and I was like feeling it. It's like, these are great reminders. Uh, some, like one of the exercises I really loved, I'll speak about that in a second, but you mentioned you had a, a client or friend who was a doctor, I think that um, believed that you had to feel your bad feelings to process them. And I was reading that, I was like, oh, well, I kind of believe that. I kind of feel, I mean, as much as I believe that we are all love and light and one in the end, I when, I when we hit on these hard parts, I'm like, well, you kind of have to feel that. And I was like thinking, maybe that's not true. So I was kind of like, I had to stop reading your book and think for a second, like, is this how I feel anymore? Um, What do you say about that idea?
1: Well, there are a lot of people who like to feel their negative feelings mm-hmm. and let them ebb away. Um, But a lot of times when people are feeling negative feelings, they're actually creating more of what they don't want mm. and they think they're releasing it. But the only way you know, if you're actually releasing it is if you feel really great mm. afterwards, like mm-hmm. if you've actually released it and now that issue no longer bothers you. Mm. So like I've had it where I, I I had been molested at a church Um I didn't go to the actual church part. I just went to the youth group with mm-hmm. a bunch of friends, and the minister was a was a pedophile really great guy actually, but a but a pedophile also um, <laughs> it was kind of, i mean he had a great personality mm-hmm. and he was fun and <clears throat> and he was loving and affectionate and just a little more so anyway um so one day this is maybe like ten years ago i I was in a state of real love and real appreciation, and all of a sudden the image of him came to my mind. But this time I realized that he had been a gift to me. And I saw how the things he had done had caused me to have extreme desire as a 12 year old, Hmm. where I had this extreme desire to understand what real love was, because he said he loved me, what God was, because he's talking about God all the time, Mm -hmm. and doing things that didn't feel right. And then to understand sex and to understand that feeling of security and to understand men. And at that point in my life, I was in a place where all of those things had become fulfilled. Like I did understand what love was. I did understand as best as a human can, what Mm -hmm. God is. I did feel really secure. I did feel really, um, like connected with men and I did feel a better understanding of sex. And as that, as I had that awareness I saw that we had been like co-creating this huge desire so I could be who I have become Mm
2: -hmm.
1: now. And I fell to the floor and I, you know, fell to my knees and just like started, I was just crying Mm -hmm. and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I was thanking the universe for giving me the clarity, Mm -hmm. but thanking him also. And after that day, all of the issues I had that had come from being molested for years, all of those issues, they were no longer, mm. they were, they were gone. And all, whenever I thought of him, all I thought of was appreciation and love. And his wife messaged me the next day on Facebook saying, I hope you can forgive us. Gary really loves you. I hadn't even talked to them in, mm. you know, decades, you know, Gary. So his wife knew
0: uh, from the,
1: or she felt the energy. I mean, mm. She must've felt the energy. Cause I didn't, mm. I didn't like post, Hey, I, Forgave my minister. I didn't mm-hmm. do anything. Oh, like well,
0: she knew about the.
1: Oh yeah, say. he was put in jail. Oh, all, I see. yeah, okay. all this stuff happened. Yeah, so um, for not just me, he molested mm-hmm. like twenty eight boys, and me. Anyway, um, <laughs> it was a funny, a funny uh, thing. Anyway, <clears throat> but when like she must have gotten it energetically that she would send me a message at that, at that time, mm-hmm. um, and. And so it was just really empowering and i and I literally felt myself shift, and people who saw me afterwards, like my friends, they were like, "Karen, it's like your light is so much brighter, so that's how I knew i wasn't I was crying, mm-hmm. but it was a crying of of awareness, it was a crying of releasing something,
0: yeah, it reminds me of the Sedona method, I don't know if you're familiar yeah like you you welcome the feelings and not judge, and even love the negative feelings." it's interesting you brought this up because i
2: think
1: oh, okay i was yeah. gonna say but the feelings i was feeling weren't negative that gotcha. was the difference okay. so like when somebody feels negative feelings you have to see if the feeling of the negative feeling is actually releasing something and uh-huh. you're going to be healed from that thing mm-hmm. or it's causing that thing to get worse
2: yeah
0: yeah so
1: i didn't mean you know,
0: to cut you no 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 on. i know i think that's a really important <clears throat> distinction too um I mean, your, your example, I'm sure, I mean, it is a bit of a taboo subject. I'm sure some people are like, wait, well, how could you speak about this in, uh, in this way? I, I, when you say it, I feel like, oh, that, that is the healthiest way to go about it because here you are free now. Um, I, I'm wondering, do you feel that, I mean, you mentioned co-create. Uh, what do you, do you think, believe that some part of you wanted that to happen for the things that would come afterwards?
1: Yeah, and that's a tricky thing to talk about. It is, right. yeah. But I do feel like <clears throat> there was a part of me that... So, for example, <clears throat> my brother w- went to that church one time. The minister put his hand on on my brother's knee. My brother got up and left.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He never went back. Mm-hmm. When the minister did things like that with me, I just... There was something in me that was not able to to walk up and leave. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you didn't want to leave. Or there's something. But I do think my what I think what it feels like to me is my soul said, bring it on. Let's give her a lot of contrast early Mm -hmm. so that she's so that she can really get strong, strong, strong desire. And then she can be in a place of enlightenment Mm -hmm. and share it you know, with the world and be a benefit. That's how I feel like. And I feel like before I came into this world, I said, yeah, bring it on. Mm -hmm. Let's go. But then, you know, you come in and you're born and you're like, no, what what the fuck are you talking about? Excuse me. (laughs) I can't believe that. I can't believe that I would say that. Right. But, but I do think, I do feel like our, our spirits have a real sense of our power Mm -hmm. and that we have a real sense of our power before we get incarnated into this body.
0: Yeah. Even if you don't look at it spiritually, like philosophically, it's something I ponder a lot. Like everyone I know who I look up to, who's interesting, who's evolved, they went through some crap at, at, in earlier in their life. And it makes me wonder, like, do we have to kind of go through pain or hardship? And then, and then you go back and forth. Like, what's the point of the hardship? If it, What's the point of being stronger if you're going to go through this hardship? I don't know. I, I go in circles about it sometimes thinking about it.
1: Well, you know, I know a lot of mothers that are um, getting aligned or are aligned. And they have kids, right? Mm -hmm. And what's happening is they're raising their kids in an aligned way. Mm -hmm. And I think if you get kids like that, they don't ever have to have that negative stuff. Or if they do, they're able to to uh, capitalize on it right in the moment, and Mm -hmm. they don't have to have years, you know, years and decades of of you know that trauma that Mm -hmm. keeps. Yeah, I had PTSD and all that kind of stuff from that, you know, and so. Um, so I don't think we need to have negative things, but I think, you know, if you're if you're not if your focus is not clear, you bring negative things to you. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, gotcha. You yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the uh, exercise, actually, the very first exercise in the book, if it's all right that I share it, um, it, is like sm- kind of smiling love into your heart. I don't know if I'm saying it as you wrote it in the book, uh, and it's something that I realized I had done in my life when I felt super anxious or super depressed, like I when I was really depressed as a teen, I read Power of Now. And like the best way I could process like being in the now is like just paying attention to my heartbeat. Mm. And then I thought about it and I was reading your book and doing it. And I was like, oh, this this has always made me feel good. Some version of this, but I've only done it when I felt bad. As soon as I feel okay, I forget about it. And then I go off in my life and then I feel bad again one day. Um, is, is there anything you do to like keep, it's like your, your book seems to be about like, growing your pleasure infinitely almost. Is there anything you do to remind yourself? I think a lot of people always just try to go back to normal.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel like normal is, um, exalted celebration. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> really so um, the, the, the practice it's called heart, the heartfulness, mm-hmm. heartfulness practice so that i I often have a like even just as we're talking, I have attention on my heart, mm-hmm. so I can feel my heart is flowing with love and it's open, and it's um you know I'm just seeing you with love, so it fuels my eyes so that I see the beauty and mm-hmm. who you are and and in this moment, and the people who are listening and feeling their beauty and their value and their worthiness mm-hmm. and so that feeling of um but but I guess. Like I don't have to do anything anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, my awareness is such that I feel connected super consistently mm-hmm. to um, to to everything and mm-hmm. to everyone. And so I don't I don't have to do anything. But when people are first starting out, there's so many wonderful things you can do that mm-hmm. feel really great. And I still do some wonderful things, not not because I have to do them, but because they raise me even higher, and I like that feeling of continual expansion
0: yeah oh, that's one thing i loved in your book in early part of the book it was that you you shouldn't do, or i don't know if you said should but it's not about doing it to get this outcome of happiness in the future because that'll kind of i forget what you, you said but that'll sabotage it or that'll not put you in the state or it'll remind you that you're not in the state already but doing these practices because it in itself is pleasurable and it's like of course and it's like it's important to remember that i really love that perspective
1: Yeah, that feels to me like a a real, uh, a real important paradox because a lot of people do things and they're doing it with a goal in mind. And even though you want the goal, when you do things that have that (laughs) goal in mind, it's a different, it's a different, it's, there's a paradox because you want to do it because it feels good, not because it's something that you're trying to get. So Uh that's the. that's the trick. Yeah. The paradox. <laughs> I, I've
0: been, I've been thinking about this a lot because I, I, I have this one particular client actually, and I, I come across a lot of guys who are maybe stuck in a negative reality and they can hear things like this. And now I've been in that state before, right? I am like, oh yeah, of course, love is the answer and loving yourself and all these things. But they have this, they're so ingrained in this belief that anything they try is futile. I have this one client who like he does everything with this expectation that everything's going to be bad. And then of course it doesn't work. And I, he can hear these things and I'm like, I'm not sure how to get through to him where he can actually switch. Is there, have you worked with that with people?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've had clients that just feel like they feel, you know, from, the consultation i do a free consultation Mm -hmm. with people so from the free consultation before we've actually worked together where they feel like you know they're super negative and they feel like they just can't do it and they feel obsessed sort of in a negative way and like the negative thing just comes in Mm -hmm. and i used to feel like that so i know it's possible to heal it and often by the first or second session they are overwhelmed with how Good they feel, and how easy it is to be uh, to to like let that go and mm-hmm. to to be in a place of um of real feeling connection and feeling effortless and feeling easy. So that has been a really fun thing. I had somebody say the other day she said, after our first session, she's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this! I this is what I thought would happen after like nine sessions, mm-hmm. and now I feel so good. It's it was after just the first session, and I feel like I've had like thirty years of growth in just like one week. It feels amazing. She was <laughs> so excited. It was really funny. Mm-hmm. But she but she has you know because you really you can really there's people can really shift quickly mm-hmm. when they understand certain things and when and I have certain practices that can help that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um- so you were kind of in that state before you had this epiphany that drew to the Abraham Hicks book. Um, can can and you mentioned? and I hope it's not giving away too much, but your, your next book is probably going to be a memoir,
1: right? Yeah. Unless I change my mind. Okay. I'm still in so the process. Not
0: binding. If anyone's. Not binding.
1: <laughs> That's funny because books are bound. Right. Um, <laughs> um, at this point I'm thinking of my, the publisher suggested I do a memoir. Uh-huh. So that, It it feels like it's exciting, but I, I feel like I've made my, my decision, but I haven't made my final decision, Mm -hmm. if you will. Like I haven't started writing.
0: Can you share a little bit about the transition? Because I met you after you were already doing the yummy, yummy meditations work. And that's, this this is just how I've known you. But you know, when I looked you up for other things we've worked on, you know, I was like, oh, I saw you were in Playboy and you were different. You've been an actress for a long time. Can you share about like, how did that go from, you kind of went from different worlds?
1: Yeah, I, uh, well, I. When I was a a teenager I um or when I was in in college in my first year of college I lived with four guys we were all roommates mm-hmm. and so I met all their friends and some of them had playboys and I had never really seen a playboy and I mm-hmm. never read them and their friends would come over and they would say you could do that and I would say yeah right and I would just ignore them but then like after the third person said you could do that mm-hmm. um I thought well I'll just see what it is. And I didn't think anybody read the magazine. So I called, <laughs> I called 411. You might not even know what 411 is. I know what 411 Okay. Is. Well, so 411 was like how you get the operator on mm-hmm. the line to get a, a message, you know, to find out a phone number for someone. Mm-hmm. I said, so I called 411 and they connected me up with the Playboy. And I said, how does somebody come a Playboy? And they said, Well you come to our office at 8am? We take some Polaroids for five minutes and then we let you know in six weeks. And I said, okay. And so I thought about it and mm-hmm. I didn't even know how to I knew how to drive, but I didn't know how to like drive in LA, mm. you know, kind of things. And that's where I lived and that's where they were. And so my friend drove us up to this Playboy um, studio mm-hmm. and I did a five minute photo shoot. And when we're in there, you know, I didn't, I'd never worn makeup. I was wearing my mother's dress. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything. Where'd you about grow it. up? Long Beach. Okay. And so I just was really pure, right? Uh-huh. It didn't have any. Yeah. So I did the five minute Polaroids and then we came out and we said, yeah, that'll never happen. Cause they have these huge, big posters mm-hmm. of these beautiful playmates. And, and we were like, no, this is not going to be it. And then mm-hmm. we had breakfast and drove back and I became a, like that day they said, Hef wants you to be a playmate. Wow. And so, um, yeah, I was, I was excited and I, I still didn't think anybody knew about it. Mm-hmm. And then from I did the playboy thing and that was really fun. And it was a really good experience. And then I kept getting acting jobs from, Mm -hmm. from um, different, like people just say, would you like to be in this show or in this show?
0: So you weren't aspiring to be an actress at
1: this point? No, I was going to be a doctor.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So I was
1: going to be a doctor (laughs) and then I took an acting class and it was so like the, I, you know, when you have those white light moments Uh where you just feel like this is the best feeling I've ever had. Yeah. And when I did the acting class, 'Cause I, I was getting jobs so I thought I should know what I'm doing, right? Mm. So I I um I did the this scene with somebody and it was like this light was flowing through me and mm. I felt amazing and it felt effortless. And I was like, This is the best feeling in the world. And so for several months I was like, Do I wanna be an actor? Do I wanna be the doctor? Do I wanna be an actor? And then one day I was I didn't know what meditation was, but I was in a state of meditation, and I heard this voice that said, "If you become a doctor, you're going to be very linear and you're going to be using somebody else's clarity for mm-hmm. yourself. If you become an actress, it's going to be a series of adventure after adventure after adventure. And adventure for me is something really key. Yeah. so so that's what the day I made the decision, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to become an actress. and i I still maintained my interest in the sciences. But I I went into acting and it just unfolded in this ridiculously easy way. Hmm. Um, and so then I started acting and I had, you know, and it was really great because I was playing different characters, you know, for different, you know, this on this show, you'd play this character and on this show, you'd play this character. And they were all, you know, a Russian spy here and a and a victim over here and a slut over here. And, hmm. you know, like it was and a teacher over here, you know, so you get this experience of the world. Yeah differently and of yourself in a different way.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I, one of the, one of my close friends who I shared, I, sh- I told to email you actually about your book, um, is in med school and she's having this similar dilemma where she, she actually said the same thing. Like, I'm going to be stuck with other people's ideas about how to heal, um, anyway, she's going through this thing. Uh, maybe her book and emailing you will help you get some clarity. Um,
1: well, and you know it's funny because I coach a lot of doctors,
2: uh-huh. yeah, a lot of
1: doctors, that. a lot of psychiatrists, mm-hmm. a lot of psychologists, and so I mean, it just I, I I've coached a lot of other people as well, mm-hmm. but but a lot of my clients happen to be doctors, mm-hmm. and um, and I find it feels it just feels so interesting because they just aren't taught mm-hmm. so many things that are super healing. And that can really help people, really help people heal of almost anything. And so um, when they do understand it, you know, you just see the light go off in them and you can see them going, oh my God, I had this other understanding that was so limiting mm-hmm. for so long and now they really get it. It feels so exciting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I, I mentioned to you, I'm thinking about getting my PhD in depth psychology and I was hesitant about it for a while because I... I was like, do these professors, like, have they really been in the trenches with people and like, or have they just been studying books? I don't know. I'm going back and forth on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I wonder Well, the, psychiat- the psychiatrists you work with, do they find themselves having to go back on their assumptions often?
1: Oh yeah. And they, they've get much more effective with their clients hmm. or their patients they get so much more effective with their their patients and their clients and they're able to reduce the amount of medicines that they provide and um and then they feel healthier and happier themselves mm-hmm. so it's really it's really interesting like i've had different it's interesting because when they're psychiatrists they have to get psychiatry yeah. you know as part of their training they get somebody that is more experienced than them that works with them mm-hmm. But I've worked with people who had, you know, OCD and helped them let it go that they never let, and they were psychiatrists. So they never got that training Hmm. to really understand and let go of PTSD. Um, I've helped psychiatrists let go of um, of, um, like hoarding things. And so it, it, like just that it doesn't get addressed Hmm. when they're working with doctors you know, psychiatrists are doctors when they're working with these doctors who who are supposed to be so advanced, right? Yeah. And that it does get addressed when they work with me. That to me feels intriguing. You know, I feel like well, wow, wow, how much can psychiatry really expand?
0: Yeah, that's one. Of, actually, so I was I kind of decided I wasn't going to go back to school for for re- reasons similar to that. And then I saw this film about Freud and Jung back in the day and how. They kind of invented what we all assume about psychology, and certain things were kind of shoved away because they weren't. The public wasn't ready for them. I mean, according to this movie, and then we still haven't. Like we've still ignored what Freud was calling mysticism, and it's like Young, no, you can't do that. You have to hide that away. And now it's, I think it's coming back. But when one thing that made me want to go to school was like, oh, if I'm actually in the field, I can start to add to our what we should have as basic knowledge about mm-hmm. healing the psyche and stuff. And yeah, I'm hoping this all can tie together because. Yeah. I mean, in reading your book, I mean, it was, I started reading it thinking like, oh, I've read the law of attraction. Like, this is not going to be new, but just reading the words from you had me feel so settled in my body. And I'm only like a couple chapters in. It's so like, yeah, I'm really excited for this to come out. Mm,
1: it feels really sweet. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so appreciative. Thank
0: yeah, you. Yeah. Um, did you interact with uh, Hugh Hefner much?
1: Um, it's funny. Uh, I was driving not too not too long ago a couple uh-huh. a couple year and a little bit ago uh-huh. and when I was driving all of a sudden I felt this energy I had met him a few times when mm-hmm. I was younger but I didn't interact with him much but I was driving and I felt this energy and I realized it was half. that's what we mm-hmm. called him mm-hmm. um and I was like Hef is that you and I and I got this feeling that it was him. And I said, are you non-physical? And I got this feeling that he was, which meant that he was no longer in his body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. And and I felt like this real bond with him. And then mm-hmm. I got home and I I forgot about it and I didn't mm-hmm. check anything. And my my neighbor texts me, my growing up neighbor who knew mm-hmm. I had done Playboy and who's known me my whole life. Hey, Karen, did you know that Hugh Hefner died last mm-hmm. night? And, and I checked the time and Hef had come visited me before the time was announced, mm. and so I there was no way I would know it. And I don't listen to the news anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, there was no way I would know it except for his my experience with him. And when I was uh, younger, I, I had more experiences with him in a group, like we would have dinner together mm. with a bunch of other people. Or um, one time, I, one time I had a conversation with him, and the boyfriend I had at that time was a physicist. And he was studying neutrinos and they're um, tiny particles. Right. And, um, half came and talked with me about it. And he was so bright and he had a photographic memory hmm. and he knew everything about neutrinos from an article he had read in a magazine. And he just, he told me the name of the magazine, the month and the year and the date and the page number uh-huh. that he had read it. And it had been. You know, it was all, he could see it all in his mind. And he was mm. so, um, he was so, such a bright man. Mm. So that felt really um, interesting. There was one experience I had with him that I just remembered. I'd forgotten about it. I was in, I was staying the night at the, the at, at his mansion, mm-hmm. but they gave me a little bungalow. Mm-hmm. And I had locked the door and I was in bed and I was going to sleep. And the door unlocked and opened and he, he walked in and I was like shocked. <laughs> And, um, and he said, uh, Joni, that was a woman who worked there. Joni said, you didn't want to go upstairs. And I said, right, I don't want to go upstairs. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yes, I'm sure. And he said, well, good things happen when you go upstairs. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, thank you, but no, thank you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, and he goes, well, you know, we were thinking of you being playmate of the year. And I was like, well, it's okay. I'll, I
2: don't mm-hmm. want to go upstairs. Mm-hmm.
1: And so he brushed my hair off my forehead kissed me on the forehead and walked out, locked the door. And um, I was freaked out. I was like, Oh my God, that felt so intense, but it felt also very respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it. And I had made a decision that I wasn't going to, I didn't ever do anything for anything, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it was interesting.
0: Yeah, It's interesting because I mean, he's someone I, I mean, I think a lot of people look up to, so it's interesting <laughs> to hear like actual experience.
1: Yeah. Them. I mean, he's yeah. incredibly bright. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly intelligent. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, um, taking us forward, you're doing the acting thing, you would like, go like, of the medical aspirations. What was, what was the, what was life like in between that and then this epiphany where you shifted spirituality?
1: Well, there was a lot of times that I was having real magic through my life mm-hmm. where things would just happen. I, I went for an audition in new york and while i was the the audition was like seven in the morning because it was it was before this show was going to be shooting so we we did it really early and then afterwards i went to an early play and i was walking like a, a broadway play mm-hmm. and i was walking back to my hotel and i started crying and I was like oh my god i'm moving to new york so i knew i was moving and i got back to my hotel mm-hmm. and there was a message saying you got the job you're moving to new york so i knew it so that kind of thing was happening a lot mm-hmm. Um, where I would, kn- I would know about s- not, not every job and some jobs I thought I would get and I didn't get, mm-hmm. you know, so not every job, but I was getting really consistent with, um, my ability to read energy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I just had a ton of magical things and i I got successful in lots and lots of uh, ways. I did lots of shows. I've done mm-hmm. over a thousand hours of television mm-hmm. and film. And, um, and then when I got married, I was a naturally happy person, but when I got married, I sort of put my, it's like I, I, um, I expected him to do things instead of, instead of just allowing him to do what he wanted to do. Mm. And, and so I started to get depressed and the marriage is when I started to really lose my magic, if you will, Mm. because, um, yeah, I just started to lose my magic. And I was in this relationship with this. He was a very powerful man and I loved him with all my heart. And I, I couldn't get the connection that I was wanting. And so that felt devastating. And then my dad died. And then somebody that had helped me when I was younger died. And then another person died. And I started to get overwhelmed with all this, um, death and, Mm. and all those, and then all the stuff. And then I, you know, just, I just had a lot of stuff going on. And, um, yeah. And so I just was like trying to manage. And Mm -hmm. so that all snowballed in the negative way. And And by created
0: your physical
2: ailments.
1: Yeah. And then my physical ailments got worse. I'd always had the chronic pain, Mm -hmm. but I had been able to, um, handle it really Mm -hmm. well because I was an acrobat and I'm a gymnast and I'm in a, and I'm a trapeze artist Mm -hmm. and, so I've just had all this fun energy and I like to play like that. I love doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It feels really fun. And so then all that, all the pain in my body started getting worse and I started getting more tired and that's what, as it kept getting worse. And then as we were separating, that's what caused me to recognize that I, um, I needed real help. And when I got started getting the help, you know, I ended up not being able to Use the doctors and the psychiatrists that had been helping me because they were actually keeping me sicker, and I ended up using my the the wisdom of the universe, if you will, and and also my own understanding. and And then when I started to have real shifts in my body, just one day I realized where I had been several months before and where I was now was markedly different, and and. I had listened to something I had created for myself and I was like, wow, that had, healed, that had healed and that had healed and that had healed and that had healed and that had healed. So I made a post about it on Facebook and said, you know, if anybody wants to do this with me, you know, let me know. Mm-hmm. And I got my first client that day and then I kept getting more clients and it's just like, it started to snowball.
0: And how long ago was this?
1: This is like nine, okay, nine years ago, maybe. And it started to snowball or maybe eight, I'm not exactly sure, but some years ago Mm -hmm. and it started to snowball and snowball and I just kept getting more and more clients. And then I ended up writing my book and now I get even more clients. Mm -hmm. And so it's been this kind of effortless evolution.
0: And was that when Yummy Meditations began?
1: Yeah, I actually did a meditation for someone who worked for Abraham (laughs) <laughs> abraham hicks mm-hmm. and he said oh my god this is the best feeling i had done a coaching ministry. Mm-hmm. So this is the best feeling i've ever had in my life you know uh do you want to you know do you want to have a website do you want to have this And so he ended up doing all of that for oh, me cool. yeah and um and he's amazing i, I love him uh brilliant man also mm-hmm. um but so yeah so it just all everything just unfolded effortlessly another person who worked for abraham said, you know, I'm going to make you a Facebook page so that I have a business Facebook page, you know, mm-hmm. that he, that he made for me. And, you know, and so all I, all I do is post in there, but yeah. So people just have just offered me acts of service for free, which has felt really beautiful. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. There's a couple other things I read in your book that I, I loved, and this might be related to what you just said. I uh, like the word relevance mm-hmm. and like how it related. Can you, can you speak a little bit on that?
1: Yes. My, my mom is Greek. Uh-huh. So I grew up, uh, learning the etymology of words, Mm -hmm. um, which an etymology is a study of where the the word comes from. Mm -hmm. So the word relevant, um, I was hearing it a lot and I thought, oh, what is, what does that word mean? And I looked it up etymologically Mm -hmm. and the etymological meaning. One of them was to lift up or to lighten, to relieve and i thought oh that makes total sense to me Mm -hmm. you know when something lifts me up enlightens me that's relevant Mm -hmm. and when something doesn't it's not Mm -hmm. and i started and i just i had a total awakening from just looking up that word and having that understanding and i felt like i just dropped a whole slew of false beliefs
0: yeah it reminds me of like um we met each other through the home world, and like they had this idea of resonance of like when you're when you're when you're connecting physically the right way, you feel this feeling of resonance. Like that's what feels right. And I've actually been trying to remember that. Like I'm in LA doing some stuff with media that I've never done before, and like there's a lot of decisions I have to make. I don't really have enough information, but remembering things like that if like when it feels uplifting and right, that's probably the right direction to go into. Has been really useful. And and we were saying about like uh, the news. I also don't watch the news. I kind of don't pay attention to politics. And a lot of my friends criticize me for that. They say like, oh, you need to be informed. Or you're not doing your duty. I'm sure you've heard that argument before. Actually, I
1: don't. Okay. Okay.
0: I guess they doesn't even doesn't even reach you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: People say, "God, I admire how clear you are and uh-huh. how you don't get bought into the drama of everything."
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, I have a general understanding of of what's going on, mm-hmm. and I have a and I have a desire for what I want, and I and I don't read the news because or don't watch the news because they, you know they repeat the same thing over and over and over right. again, so it really gets in. And every news place, or I don't know everyone, but most of them have a, a specific agenda.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I just don't, I just don't want to be programmed. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's always, it's somebody's opinion mm-hmm. versus, yeah, it's it's not, it's, I don't know, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like something that is serving me to to put a lot of attention on. I have a general idea though. I've mm-hmm. gone to some political rallies so I could understand Mm -hmm. what that person was that Mm -hmm. was um, talking, you know, and and stuff like that. So I've I've listened to people and stuff like that, but I just don't, um, there's so much news that is going on that people don't ever hear on the news. Mm -hmm. Things like, oh my gosh, through Los Angeles, there was an... 23 hours of driving without any accidents. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, there's so many healthy babies being born. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, there's so many wonderful kids who are being kind to each other. Mm -hmm. There's so many schools that are teaching kids how to be loving and sweet with each other and with themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some really good things going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, any news person or someone would probably say like, "Oh, we don't pay attention to that because comparatively, it's boring," <clears throat> or "our our brains are programmed to seek out danger and stuff." Um, what do you think about that? Is that a thing we can overcome collectively, or are we always going to be as a collective drawn to like the car crashes?
1: And- I feel like we are trained to think of what is wrong mm-hmm. because you know, don't climb that tree; you're going to fall. Mm-hmm. You know, those things that people, well, meaning, but people say, when you know you can climb that tree, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, it's going to be easy and fun, you know, and you know, you're not going to fall. Um, You feel that sureness, you know, in your little three-year-old body and, Mm -hmm. and it's clear. Um, So I just feel, I feel like we've been trained to focus on the negative because, you know, people forget who they are Mm -hmm. and then they have kids and they train their kids to forget. And part of the way that you forget is you focus on all the danger, but I know for myself, I don't see danger. Mm -hmm. I, I had this experience where, um, I'd been to a costume party, a dance costume party, wake. Um, so yeah, it was for somebody who had died, but he wanted everybody to celebrate. So it was in his, in his will. He wanted a a costume party dance
2: cool dance
1: way <laughs> yeah so it was great uh-huh. so everybody was dancing and, and i had been and i had worn like a fairy outfit with wings and it had a diaphanous see-through diamond shape between my um my breasts and the lower part of my belly so just my belly was mm-hmm. showing but it looked very sexy you know with little mm-hmm. rhinestones and and i had a halo too i had a, wings and a halo i was confused but um <laughs> but so um So my battery light goes off and, or my, not my battery, my oil light goes off in the car Mm -hmm. and I don't know that much about cars. So I'm looking and where the party was, there just weren't any gas stations with service centers that were open. This is like three in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I pull into a 7-Eleven just because I know if you drive your car with no oil or the oil light goes on, at least this was the thinking, you know, your car could blow up and die. And I just didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I go into a 7-Eleven and I said, I need oil for my car. And the guy points me to the back. Mm-hmm. And I go in the back and there's these three guys. They have chains, they have tattoos, they have some knife-looking holder things with something in them that could be knives, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And um and I and I see them and I realize you know that they are beautiful people. Mm-hmm. And I just relax and I said um in Spanish um I don't know how Can you help me? I don't know how to put oil in my car. And the guys changed Mm -hmm. in a minute. Yeah, claro que sí. Of course, Mm -hmm. we can help you. And they came outside and they checked what my oil was. They checked what kind of oil I needed. Mm -hmm. They told me what kind to buy and they told me how much to buy. Mm -hmm. I went back in and I bought the amount that they needed. Then one guy gave me a, a jacket to wear.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then the two other guys were changing the oil and we were all talking and and they were really sweet. And they had had this kind of, before I talked to them, before I softened, they had this defensiveness about mm-hmm. them, this like, yeah, you know, what do you want? And look mm-hmm. at you and, you know, this, you know, you're in this outfit, what are you here for? You know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it, it totally changed and they became such, so kind and so thoughtful and so generous and at the end of it, you know, I gave the guy back his jacket, and I gave each one a hug, and I said, you know, muchas, muchas gracias, and and I just was so thankful. And they said, you know, cuidarte, take care of yourself, mm-hmm. and and I said, igualmente, you know, you too. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had this like bonding before, I, and then I got in my car, and you know, they're all standing outside Seven <laughs> Eleven waving at me, and it was so sweet, you know. And I just realized, wow, you know, if I was looking for the goodness, and they they showed it to me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there are, there are. I think we're trained, but I've untrained that. Hmm. I untrain it.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. So I, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, before we recorded, like you might also write a book, like chronic pleasure for men is that, or for women relating to men is that?
1: Yeah, chronic pleasure with men. With men, okay. Yeah, for women who might have had similar backgrounds to me, mm-hmm. um, and who might want to have really great experiences with men.
0: Yeah, I think that I mean, I'm I'm so excited for that and like the impact it could have on how men and women relate because like things like that I'm like of course that's how it went. I've like, I have no doubt, you know, it's like of course and like if I think a lot of the predatory we don't want to go on this tangent, but like a lot of the predatory behavior, you know, a, a lot of male behavior I think is a response to women and and vice versa, but like we all have the power to change how people relate with us.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because you know, I coach uh, people and sometimes they're in a couple mm-hmm. and i could be coaching the man or i could be coaching the woman but when the one of them changes or i could be coaching the parent or the child mm-hmm. and one when, when one of them shifts the other one shifts it's too. impossible
0: not
2: to right and they-
1: so yeah yeah because we're so connected and so literally i've helped people like one one girl i work with she said you know gosh we've got three kids my husband's working like a dog you know, he's so tired. We haven't had sex. I don't remember the last time we had sex. And so I listened to her and then I, gave her some guidance and she emails me the next day. Oh my God, Karen, we had the best sex I've ever had in my life. This was amazing. You know? And so, so like things can shift, right? Yeah, very quickly. And, and then I've had it where men, you know, have had partners that they just didn't want sex or they were just too tired or they were just, and so then I've given them some suggestion and then they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's a totally different experience. And we're having a different kind of sex than we've ever had before that's so much more connected and so much more, um, expansive and sensuous and sexy and, and he, and, you know, like, and then they get that, that, that experience where you're walking through life, you know, and you see your partner and you're immediately aroused, you know, mm-hmm. you're immediately turned on when you see them. And so that, you know, that's kind of one of the things I help people with once they've gotten through the pain of, you know, in their bodies, it's really fun to help people, uh, heal those kind of things in their relationships. Yeah.
0: How much does the, I mean, I'm only, I think 80 pages into your book and I, I know a little bit about your work overall, but how much do you incorporate sexuality into the pleasure? Cause obviously the title and a lot of, you speak about pleasure all the time. Like how much of it is directly sexual, let's say.
1: I, well, I feel to. like, I feel like there's sexual pleasure is a really important part of pleasure. hmm And so is the pleasure of food and the pleasure of a good conversation and the pleasure of nature and the pleasure of beauty and the pleasure of, um, you know, friendship and the pleasure of uh, any, you know, massage, Mm -hmm. whatever. But I love, I love sexual energy. Mm -hmm. And so I do talk in the book about sexual pleasure and I talk about it both, um, as a practice and also as a way to transmute something or to bring in more sexual. Uh, clarity Mm -hmm. for yourself. Yeah.
0: Do you think there's anything uh, unique about sexual pleasure compared to the other things or any reason why it's tied to transmutation so much or that idea?
1: Well, sexual pleasure is, it's so similar or it is of the same ilk. I mean, when you procreate to have a child, Mm -hmm. you're using that creative energy and sexual pleasure and creative pleasure are so tied together to me they just feel so attuned yeah you know if i'm if i'm uh creating something for sure i'm making sure i'm having you know plenty of orgasms you know <laughs> <laughs> and and being turned on mm-hmm. just because that energy is so creative it's such a creative and it's also just a delicious yummy energy to go through life with
2: you know
0: yeah, yeah i mean uh, i mean obviously i'm interested in like Everyone's ideas around transmutation. I've, I've my own, but like some things are like absolutely certain. It's hard to be resentful when you're aroused, or, or maybe not when you're really in pleasure. It's hard to even hold on to negative thoughts, which I think is part of its potency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I like. I think I've one last question topic for you because uh, another thing I loved in your book was um, the buying things with emotions. And like, you know, I've read a lot of law of attraction stuff and different things of like, you have to feel what you're creating, but I love the way you put it. If like, if you want to buy, okay, could you share a little bit about that?
1: Oh, sure. Yes. Um, yeah. So for example, a lot of people want peace, mm-hmm. but they're pro- protesting for peace. Mm-hmm. So they're not buying peace. If you want to buy peace, you have to start becoming peaceful peaceful
0: yeah you you need the peace currency to purchase peace exactly you
1: need the and by currency is another word for frequency or vibration
2: Hmm.
1: so and it's also a word for money so i find that very fascinating that money and vibration have the word currency in common yeah so so in order to really create peace in the world we need to exude peace. Be at peace with yourself. Be at peace with the people in your life. Be at peace with your past. Be at peace with your future. Be at peace with your work. Be at peace with your money. Be at peace with your, any, anything that you've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Be at peace with the opposite political choice in the people that pitch you something different. Be at peace with whatever anyone else in the world is doing. When you can be in that kind of peace, now you are a, missionary of peace now you are able to bring that peace and not only are you buying peace for yourself but now you are showing that peacefulness and sharing that with people who are open to it and so now you're bringing that in and same thing you know if you want to buy love you've got to be in a state of love mm-hmm. if you want to buy abundance you've got to be in a state of abundance consciousness if you want to buy health you've got to be in a state of healthiness mm-hmm. and, it, uh, and it's and it's it doesn't have to be Physical state, it's it's the vibrational state. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have any last thoughts for someone who, like, okay, I, I I believe that, but Karen, how do I get into that state if I feel this way or if my reality is this other way?
1: Well, you know what, I just this has felt so fun. Mm-hmm. I would feel so happy to just uh, share with people how they can get my book yeah, for free. Please, yeah, yeah. So let me, yeah, because if you if you uh, send me an email and I'll give you the email mm-hmm. in a second, but if you send me an email and if you put in the in the uh, subject line chronic pleasure. So that's C H R O N I C and pleasure. Then I'll know that that's what you want and write your name in because some people's emails don't have a mm-hmm. name. So I can at least address you. Um, and then I'll, I will send you my book. So awesome. my, my email is Karen Laurie. So it's K A R E N L O R R E at me, me dot com. So I'll say that one more time, Karen, K-A-R-E-N-L-O-R-R-E, that was Lori, Karen Lori, at me, M-E dot ecom And if you send me that, an email like that, I will feel happy to email my book to you. And you'll find so many things in the book that will help you be able to transmute feelings that you have you know, if you have something, you can literally open the book up in any place that you want and, you know, go back to the beginning of that subject and read it and you'll, you'll probably get an answer.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Actually I stopped after, uh, the first exercise. I just wanted to do it.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll
0: read the rest of it. Later. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been great. It's been great catching up and like getting to know you better. It's been awesome. Thank, thank you for you, coming
1: on. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. This feels really fun. Yeah, thank and, and we'll
0: and we'll have the link. Uh, we'll we'll write out your email address in the description too. So.
1: Okay. Yeah. Thank awesome. you so much. Hey, thanks
0: for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Luando.com. Catch me on social media at Luando. and please do not forget to subscribe.